Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. And we have some wonderful guests back on today. I'm going to get to them in a minute. But let me give you a little bit of an update about what's going on with Health Solutions. So just want to let you guys know we stream here every Monday, 1230 to 1.30 every Monday on Facebook. And if you want to get a hold of me, please message me on Facebook. You can always call us too, 509-537-0411. And even if you don't call us live, please do not forget about that number. I personally answer that number. I had a patient call me last week from a podcast that was six months ago, um, answered her question, got her fixed up in her healthcare needs, and that's why that number is there. So please refer to that number, use that number. It comes to my personal cell phone. Um, uh, yeah, and or message me on Facebook, and you can always catch us mid midweek podcast, usually on a Thursday, sometimes on a Wednesday. But catch us, catch out all the schedule on our Facebook page, uh, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Facebook page, where we stream live. So. I'm going to introduce our guests, but they shouldn't need much introduction because I think they've been on three, four, five times now. It is Carl Duvall, and he is sharing his story of his weight loss journey. Um, he has lost over 200 pounds since about a year ago, a little over a year ago, actually. And um, Carl and uh, Tasha Stafford, who is an expert in bariatric um, surgery and helping patients after post-bariatric surgery to continue a good lifestyle. So... Carl and Tasha, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, so Carl, give us a little update. Talk about where you were. I think it was April of 2019 when you first started this journey of your heaviest, correct? Yeah, it's, well, I started it when I ended up in the hospital. Uh, it was probably late March. Um, ended up in the hospital with the uh, blood clots and uh blood clots uh heart failure congestive heart failure um weighed in at 713 when they brought me into the hospital so that's where it started um well where this journey started <laughs> i've been doing this my whole adult life but this journey started then right and as of right now i'm about two or 513 ish so i'm right about 200 pounds lost um, about 80, 89, wait, what was it? 89 pounds or so since surgery, a little over a year ago. So. Okay. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Congratulations, Carl. That is 200 pounds is a lot of weight. I'm sure you can feel that. I'm sure there's activities that you can do now, um, that you couldn't do before. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of lot of things. My, I mean, my lifestyle is completely different now than what it was before. Um, basically, before it was lay in bed, do my homework or study, get up, come out in the kitchen, eat, go to the living room, sit down, you know, do that kind of stuff. But now I can, you know, if I want to go somewhere, I can go. I can go in my car, go drive, do whatever I want, start to exercise a bit. Um, not bound to just being home anymore. So it's the freedom is great. Um, but there's also a flip side to that. Freedom's great. 
temptations there now. I have I have things I can go get. So that's not easy. That that's that's been tough. There's there's things at my disposal that there wasn't before. So that's been that's been a that's been a battle. Those, Janet, do you have any questions for Carl and Tasha? Well, I, I just want to uh, commend you, Carl, because I've been following you on Facebook and watching how you've been able to um, live life more freely. And I understand the temptations, but it's so inspiring, I think, for us to watch your journey that, you know, being able to drive again, being able to go places with people, um, I think people forget that those social interactions and those relationships are starting to grow for you. And um, I'm super happy for you because, you know, being alone uh, after this last year, I think a lot of Americans can identify with some of those struggles of not being able to jump in your car and, and go visit someone or, or make a weekend trip or um, develop a new relationship with people. So um, I, I have to say that those positive changes in your life, Carl, have been so inspiring. And I'm so happy for you because, you know, that that makes it worth maybe dealing with some of those temptations. Yeah. I was also thinking back, I don't know why this never occurred to me before, but um, like my whole working career, I've been a driver. Like that was what I did for a living. Um, from I'm from high school, I drove, I delivered pizza, then I went to driving forklifts, then I went to delivering cabinets, then I went to driving around fixing cabinets and kitchens, then I went to driving school bus, and I went to driving combine for farmers, and then all of a sudden, I can't even do that. So not only did it take away my freedom, it took away like my identity as a productive person in society which compounds your depression, which compounds everything. And it's just a vicious cycle in your psyche that I wasn't even aware of that was going on, but looking back on it, I can see it now. So yeah, it's, it's made a big difference. Great job, Carl. So Tasha, can you um, give us a little bit of explanation about this journey that Carl's been on over the last year and, um, I'm assuming, you know, you've got a lot of experience with, with other people. So can you go ahead and just comment and give us your expertise? Sure. Uh, so what I see, um, and I, and I explain this to my people too, when you have the surgery done, right, you will do anything to get that surgery done. You will walk through fire, broken glass, anything that's expected we will do because we're in desperation to have the surgery because in our world at that moment in time, that is what's going to end our life of obesity, right? But then we have the surgery and willpower is attached to an emotion. So willpower comes and goes and it's attached to emotion. Well, at the beginning stages before surgery and after surgery, your willpower is like super strong because you're not going to do anything to screw up this surgery. Like, I'm never bringing this back in. I'm never going to do this. I'm going to get active because this is going to end my life of obesity. But then guess what? You have the surgery. You're not as monitored as by your doctors. It's only a tool, right? Because it's just 
you know, you just limited our, our, you just limited our stomach capacity. That's it. You didn't fix my head. So then life starts to happen. We start testing the waters. Oh, I can eat this. Oh, I can drink this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, it doesn't make me sick. So guess what? We start testing the waters. But what happens in the middle of that is life is always throwing you different stuff. And we, unless you've been through really, really intensive programs, you haven't effectively learned to work through your emotions to not turn to food. So then what we do is we start turning to different diets, like, oh, I'll try keto. I'll try intermittent fasting when, when actually we just need to be eating a healthy, balanced lifestyle, watching the added fats and the carbs, because that's what led to obesity. But really working on that mindset is super, it's key. And in my opinion, that one year mark is about where you really, really need to start working on that mindset. And that's why I'm always reading. I'm always reading books. I mean, different books all the time because one, I'm a coach, but number two, I'm a bariatric patient too. So I'm not perfect. I'm also dealing with what life throws at me and trying to work through emotions and naming my emotions and not turning to food. And so I think Carl, you can probably agree with that. Like now you're seeing like, Oh, I can eat this. Like my stomach can accommodate this. And so then you're, then you're kind of stuck and you're just like, okay, why am I doing this? This is not the bariatric code of conduct that I signed up for. Because when we mm-hmm. had surgery, whether we all knew it or didn't, I refer, it, I refer to it as a bariatric code of conduct. These are the things that we signed up for to do. And we start going against it. And so then you have to really do that mindset work to figure out, okay, why am I doing some of the things that I'm doing? You know, what is it? Is it boredom? Am I depressed? Am I stressed? What is it that I'm doing some of the things that I did because it's going against the bariatric code of conduct? And this is not what I signed up for. So, Carl, is that what you're kind of seeing going on now about this year? Yeah, it's exactly what's going on. Um, And you just feel like, you know, I'm kind of I'm not feeling normal you know that's it's it's not what i'm feeling but you feel a sense of normalcy again or i do i feel you know i feel a part of you know normal day life of like a normal person as he would be and i want to it's weird because i know i can't eat as much as i used to be able to eat and but at the same time, I'm always, it's weird. I always feel hungry. I don't know if, if, if that's normal, but I always feel hungry and I know it's mental and it's not, it's not physical hunger. It's mental hunger. And it's the same that I had before. It's just, I can't consume the same amount of food I used to be able to consume. And especially at night nights are always tough for me like i've I've discussed it on here before nights get tough um but i don't know if it's boredom it's it could be boredom but there's also you know things from my past with um my relationship and my marriage and stuff that i discussed with a with a counselor before is 
you know, abandonment at night um, would lead me to turn to food as a replacement, you know, for what I was missing. And I'm still doing that. And I still do that, which is, it's hard to overcome, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, like you were saying before, when I was preparing for surgery, like I did whatever I could, you know, I knew I needed the surgery. And for me, it was, it was life and death. You know, I needed to do something. I've, it was, there's no doubt about it. I needed a drastic thing to help me or I wasn't going to be around and I knew it. I didn't want to admit it, but I knew in deep down, I needed something more than just, you know, a diet again, which I've done over and over again. I needed something a little more dramatic and drastic. So, so Tasha, do you have any tips for Carl? Yeah, I do. I mean, really after bariatric surgery is teaching yourself a different way to think. But here's the thing, if we were disciplined, if we were good at discipline, like you're good at discipline, Sean, you know, you're good at it. You, you, you're very disciplined for your racing. You're very disciplined in your diet, you know, but there was a time period you weren't right. Cause you share that mm. the same thing with us. If we were really disciplined, we would have never had to have this surgery. And so when about that year mark, you've got to start working on that mindset, but it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard because you almost feel like it's a second or third or fourth job, right? Because you're always questioning yourself. Like, why am I doing this? What am I feeling right now? Why do I want to eat my feelings? You know, and you're, so you try to like name the emotion, but a lot of people aren't good at that. I've only learned that working with Connie Stapleton so much. I've been really learning about naming your emotions and then working through them versus I'd, turning to food or alcohol. I'd and so it's a, a book about that today. Yeah, it's like, but you, but I deserve this chocolate by Dr. Albers. Another really great book, working through mindset. You know, another one through her. Fifty ways to soothe yourself without food. Right, you're constantly doing that mental work, but you kind of get to this point where it's like, am I so broken that I can't get through this? Like, am I so broken that I can never reach my goals? Am I so broken that I'm always going to be overweight? And so then it kind of sparks you into a different mindset. So, Cara, what I would do, honestly, is I would set your goal every day. Like, this is what I'm going to focus on. And then once you really start nailing that habit down for two, three, four weeks, then you add in another habit. You know, so it's habit stacking. You know, like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk for 15 minutes. Or I'm going to walk from here to here. And when I can get to that point, then I'm going to walk from here to here. But it's it's your, it, your habit stacking, right? I'm going to work on protein every meal. Or I'm going to work on not snacking at nighttime. I'm going to work on journaling or reading a book instead of snacking. So you're constantly working on things. But if you struggle and if you're really struggling with it and you find that, that you're you know, that emotional eating is coming back in, right? Because that's that's what kind of made us obese, right? All the fats, all the carbs, because we were really, really good at eating our feelings. And what we practice is what we do. We were good at eating our feelings. So now we have to get really good at not eating our feelings. So if you find that you're struggling is there's a lot of networks out there. There's a lot of free groups. There's a lot of, you know, blogs. There's a lot of podcasts. 
was to really start engulfing yourself in those and surrounding yourself with people who help you and inspire you so that it brings you up so that you want to continually work. Because I wish I could tell you eight years out that it gets like super easy. But the reality is, is eight years out, I still battle things. Just it's not as difficult because I've, I'm constantly educating myself and reading. And I do the same thing. Listen to podcasts, surround myself with group groups and professionals that inspire me and bring me up. I'm constantly working on it. It's easier today than it was a year ago, you know, and it's easier today than it was two years ago. Right. But is it super, super easy that this is just automatic behavior for me? No, it's not. I'm really good at what I do and I'm really good at my nutrition. But man, when crisis hits or family drama hits, what do I want to do? I want to turn to the things that always soothe me. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm constantly working on is, you know, nope, you can't do this. So literally downstairs, I have a variety of proteins to pull from. If I don't want buffalo chicken, I have cubed up chicken for a Caesar salad. If I don't want eggs, I got overnight oatmeal. I have things to constantly pull from because you'll find yourself where it's like, I don't want to eat this. I'm tired of eating chicken, right? So I want to do this instead. And then you're giving yourself permission to eat a bowl of, you know, fruity pebbles versus your eggs or your overnight protein oats, right? You give yourself permission. And so I always meal prep like a variety of things. And even like um, my drinks, like I don't want water. So it's like, okay, I have different cups to drink out of, one with straw, one without straw, different water bottles. I have different water enhancers. So if I don't want regular water, I have a water enhancer so that I don't give myself an excuse and permission to derail and stop doing the things that I should be doing because I'm bored or because I'm frustrated, you know? And so I would say that, that make sure you meal prep, but you meal prep a variety of things that are easy to pull from. You know, to get your water in, make sure you have a variety of things that you like to get your water in. And then really just working, continue to work on that mindset while you're working on that nutritional piece. And that's that eating structure, that bariatric eating structure that we signed up for. Right. And then we signed yeah. up to continually working on our brain. It's constant. Mm -hmm. I actually started a, I, I sent Sean the thing I talked to him briefly or showed him briefly, but I started it actually, it's actually starting today a challenge that I'm doing. It's called the 75 day tough challenge, mm -hmm. uh, 75 days straight. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a mental toughness thing more than anything. Um, so 75 days straight, um, no cheat meals. You work out twice a day for seven, for 45 minutes each time. One of them has to be outdoors. Uh, you read a you read ten pages from a self help book type book. Um, you take a progress pick every day and drink a gallon of water every day. So that's the seventy five day challenge, which I just started today. Um, that's a big challenge. Doesn't say anything about yeah, yeah. Which I've never challenged myself like that before. I've never. And I needed something to change my mindset and how I look at things. And, you know, I, I, you know, I went out today, I swam for 45 minutes this morning, went out and did a swim, 
I read read in my book this morning, made a good breakfast this morning, took my progress pick this morning. Um, so I'm off to a good, you know, day one, but you know, you got to start somewhere. And I just realized that my relationship that I have with the scale right now is completely unhealthy. The relationship I'm having with food right now is completely unhealthy. Because like what I wanted out of this, which is weird and counterproductive, is like my whole life, like everything, like my whole adult life, at least everything has been revolving around food. And I wanted to get to a point where I wasn't so consumed with food. But after surgery, I'm even more obsessed with it and more consumed with it. And it's just getting, it's getting to, I mean, I've been, I've weighed myself up to three times a day and I know it's just water weight and I'm sitting there watching. I like, I just like to see the numbers move and it's like, what am I doing? It's like, it's not actual, I'm not losing body fat. I'm losing water weight because I'll take a water pill and I go, oh, look how much I lost today. And it's, I'm not losing weight. I'm, I'm not losing anything substantial. I'm losing water and want to break that cycle and I don't want to weigh myself while I'm doing this I just want to follow the program follow the challenge and weigh the first day and weigh at the end of it and break that cycle in my head of just being a slave to that scale I don't want to do it anymore I don't want to when I first started doing this it was once every two weeks which was fine because that's when I had my appointment with my nutritionist okay, I'm going to need to find out what I weigh. And that's what I would do. I wouldn't care about the scale. I would follow the program. If I lost what I was supposed to, cool. If not, then, you know, and I did fine. You know, I lost a hundred something pounds. Since surgery, it's been every day, multiple times a day. And it's like, I just became obsessed with it. And I have obviously a addictive personality. Um, my family has that gene, uh, my dad's side of the family, um, every male on that side of the family was an alcoholic. So I have that addictive gene in me and mine's food. And now it's turning to, you know, other things and it, it, it's always something. So I'm, I, re, I replace food with, you know, something else and it's gotta be, I'd rather be something productive instead of, you know, I think weighing yourself is destructive and I don't want it to be that. It sure can be. I mean, the scale can be a tool to help weight loss, but um, I can tell you I've struggled with it too. I don't like being a slave to the scale. That's for sure. Um, one thing that I've used the scale as is once I've, you know, instituted healthy habits, um, then you don't need to weigh as often. Um, but sometimes, you know, in my experience, weighing every day would keep me on track. But by the same token, it, it, can, it can definitely, um, you know, make it seem like you're a slave to the scale. But progress pictures, that's a good one too. There's always non-scale victories. How do your clothes fit? Um, you know, how do you look? I mean, how do you look is really important. I mean, let's think about it. We don't really care about how much we weigh. We care about how we look. That's really the truth, I think. Um, Tasha, do you have any comments on, on this? 
I do. I would say, Carl, before you step on that scale, right, is you, I talk about this bariatric code of conduct, you know, and I'm actually getting, putting it out in actually a, a word document to everybody so that we really understand what we signed up for is to ask yourself the questions, you know, am I doing what I should be doing to reflect the number that I want to see on the scale? And if the answer is no, don't step on the scale because you're not going to like the number and then it just puts you into this negative mindset, right? So then you go back to the drawing boards, you know, and I, I mean, I have a whiteboard that I use for my challenge. I, I use this whiteboard for a lot of things. You go back to the drawing board and you say, okay, you know what? I haven't been doing what I should be doing. And I see two big transferdictions, alcohol and sugar are the two biggest transferdictions I see post-bariatric. You know, is you have to go back and you have to say, okay, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Why? Why, why, why am I not putting my health as a focus and a priority? Why is the food taking so much control over me? Because you have so many things to be proud of. 200 pounds, you can drive again, you can walk again. You're not having the health issues that you've been having, right? But do you still have a little ways to go to really reach that optimal health? Absolutely. So it's like, where's the gap there? You know, it was so important for my first 200 pounds. And now I can do these things. Why is it not so important from 513 until 200, right? Where's the gap in there? And what do I really need to work on to make this happen? And I talk about this. I transfer addicted to alcohol after surgery. You know, I was single, no kids, great corporate job. And then all of a sudden I'm engaged to Chris, who has custody of his two kids infection, post-plastic, home build gone south, right? As soon as my life got uprooted, like I have never experienced in my life, I didn't turn to food because I'm not supposed to be doing that, but I turned to wine. And so I see the transfer addiction between a lot of people, sugar and alcohol, and you have to really work through that mindset to why do I do some of the things that I do? And so ask yourself before you weigh three times a day, I only weigh in on Mondays. I won't be, I will not be a victim to the scale. I weigh in on Mondays, but before I weigh in, I ask myself, what'd your weekend look like? What'd your nutrition look like? You know, were you doing what you should have been doing, Tasha? And if the answer is no, it's like, okay, you know what? You're going to take, you're going to take whatever is reflected on the scale because that's reflecting your behavior. And I think Mondays are a good day to weigh if you're going to do it once a week, because you know, weekends are typically where we don't have the best behaviors. And as much as I hate seeing my weight on Monday morning, I didn't want to step on the scale this week, this Monday, because I overindulged over the weekend. I um, ate a pint of ice cream at one place. I just, I just had to. I mean, a pint, that's a pound of ice cream. Um, and I didn't really want to see it, but I, I also, I didn't want to see the number, but I also wanted to keep myself on track. So um, fortunately, I burned a lot of calories over the weekend too from exercise. So I was okay or better than I thought I was going to be. So, but it keeps me on track. And if I would, if I didn't weigh for two or three weeks and I, and I kind of overindulged over those two or three weeks, I would not be happy with the results. And then, you know, I got to lose 10 or 15 pounds instead of just two or three pounds. So, um, it sometimes it can keep us on track. That's for sure. But it can, it can have a negative connotation also. Well, and the thing is that you see too is, I've been so good this week, so I deserve this. I've been exercising three times this week, so I deserve right. this. We don't deserve food. We don't earn food, right? We earn right. 
because that's what led us to obesity is not having any boundaries with ourselves. If I wanted Burger King, I ate Burger King. If I wanted McDonald's, I had McDonald's. If I want to stop by 7-Eleven and get nachos, a score bar, and Pepsi, that's what I did. If I wanted four mochas because I was traveling through corporate America, that's what I did. I never had any boundaries around food. Whatever I wanted, I was a spoiled brat and I got it with food, right? And so we have kind of that same mentality now. Like, I've been so good. I deserve this, right? Yeah. Like, no, I got to stop that. I don't earn food. I earn things to nourish my body that makes me feel good. But I'm doing these things because I want to do these things because they make me feel good. And I'm losing weight and I'm doing what I should be doing post bariatrics. So with that, I do. I got to go, you guys. I have to cut this one short. But Carl, if you need anything, just message me. I'm always at my laptop. You know, if you need to talk on the phone, we can call each other. I'm more willing to help you out. Um, you know, if you need any any additional support, just reach out to me. I'm usually always always around. Okay, I appreciate that. Tasha, okay. thank Tasha, thank you for being on. Always a pleasure. I appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Carl, last week you had your annual update post uh, bariatric surgery. Can you tell me with the doctor? Can you tell me how that went? They were actually kind of pleased. Um, they thought it, you know, they thought it, you know, I maybe could have lost a little more. Um, the nutritionist thought, well, that's kind of what I thought you'd be, what I what I thought you'd lose. Um, he wasn't surprised it wasn't more, just because I'd lost a lot before the surgery. Right. Um, and a lot of people that come in and get that surgery hadn't, don't lose that much weight beforehand. They, they lose like 30, 30 pound range. Then when they hit that surgery, then they lose a lot, a lot because it's such a shock to the system. Um, the numbers, all my blood work came back good, except for my testosterone is really low. Um, I've been on testosterone therapy for six weeks now. Anyway, we started because it was low. It was down. It was at one twenty. My testosterone wow. level. Yeah. And um, so I started getting injections. He put me on a hundred milligrams every three weeks. It it went up to two seventy five after the first injection. So it kept me on that every three weeks. Um, then I had to give the whole blood work again for, before the, the year appointment, then down again to 160. So they, so now here's, in. so go ahead, Carl, and then I'll have a question for you or a comment. Okay. So they bumped me up to a hundred, 200 every two weeks. They're going to basically tripling it now. They're going to bump me up to 200 okay. every two, every two weeks. So and what she, what my, what my doctor, what the bariatric doctor thinks is happening, or a lot of it, besides me just not following the program as close as I should, is she equates it to like a woman going through menopause with my hormones, which is my body's trying to hold on to weight just because my hormones are out of whack a bit, and you know. I, I watched your brother's podcast about hormones and how, you know, the the range is so ridiculous of normal from 285 to almost to 1,000 they consider normal. 
I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred points over a hundred points below the low normal. Right. Yeah. Definitely so want to get it in yep. optimal. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you definitely have low testosterone by any definition. Um, it appears now here's one of the issues that I have with injections and I'm not sure when they're checking the levels based on your injection, but if you check your levels right after you do the day after you do that injection, um, your levels are going to be like probably over normal. In fact, I would guarantee you they will be over normal. They will be high. Um, that's not necessarily an issue. They check them. They try to check them at the end of the cycle. Right. So think about that, Carl. So I'm glad they moved you back up a week, but you have high peaks with injections and then a low trough. Our body doesn't shouldn't produce yeah. testosterone like that. Our body should produce testosterone in a in a um, consistent fashion all day long. In a diurnal variation where we produce more during the day than we do at night. And injections weekly, monthly injections for sure, and even weekly injections are not the best way to do that if you want to keep your levels consistent. You're gonna, they're going to be up and down. So your only option would be to do daily injections. Obviously, that's not very fun either. Um, or a transdermal um, testosterone. That's what we compound up at the pharmacy. Um, we have thousands of patients on that. And it gives you, we have a study to show how it gives good, consistent blood levels without high peaks over a 12-hour period. So um, I'm, that I'm the, not saying that, that. topical? Correct. And we are the only pharmacy that I know of that's ever done a study on to show the absorption of it. Um, and we showed it an hour after after application, two hours, six hours, 12 and 24. We didn't report on 12 and 24, just the six. And it was a consistent uh, level over, over a six-hour period. And it actually was going up a little bit after six hours. So... Um, and it's a lot more convenient than injections. Injections, you have to deal with syringes. Are you doing the injections yourself or are you going into the office? No, I'm Carl? doing it on my own. Okay. Yeah. And injections, you know, the problem with an injection is they're an injection. I mean, I, most people don't like giving themselves injections. So, um, yeah, transdermal testosterone is is another option for sure. I mean, a lot of physicians aren't aware of, aware of it. So. So that just gives you another option. So uh, he was aware of it. He just he just seemed to think that the injections were more effective. My doctor was. Yeah, and maybe I don't know uh, if that's the school of thinking of thinking of in the medical field. Well, they it might just be a little bit of ignorance. They don't they don't know because they haven't been shown. So um, after we get off the air, Carl, I can you can share share your physician's name with me, and we can follow up with them and show them a study that we have to show that testosterone transdermally is absorbed very well. So, okay. And testosterone does. It helps to maintain lean body mass. It helps to increase your metabolism. It helps to increase mood, um, energy. Testosterone is very, very important. Now, there's a catch-22 with it also. When you're sedentary and you're overweight, testosterone levels go down because your body says, wait a minute, I need testosterone to help keep my muscles strong, to help me, to help keep mm -hmm. me fast, to help keep me... Um, um, sharp mind. And if you're sedentary, your, your body says, Oh, I don't really need that stuff. So that's why, you know, obesity is, you know, ca can cause actually low testosterone. Now, the great news is, is when you lose weight and especially when you start exercising, it stimulates your own body to produce testosterone. It's like, okay, I'm exercising now. I need testosterone to make sure I have strong muscles, to make sure I have strong bones, to make sure I have everything I need to keep myself fit. Um, so that's why exercise is so important when it comes to hormone balance. 
hormones are a piece of the picture for sure, a piece of the puzzle for sure. But you know, the the diet and the exercise and the sleep are also very, very important. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, that's why that's the main reason I'm doing this challenge that I'm doing is just to change my mindset, change my everything. Cause I'm not doing, I'm not doing it correctly. I know, I know that. And I haven't my whole adult life, I haven't done it correctly. And I need something to just kickstart myself and yeah. no one else is so, going to do it for me. That's right. So do you have a goal, a goal in a weight after the 75 day challenge? No. Okay. I have no idea I, how my body's going to react or what, I don't want to set a goal, right? Because if I if if I hit that goal, then then what? I just yeah. my 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 goal is a different mindset. That's my goal. Yeah, that's, that's what I want. So well, we should we should follow up with you um, in seventy five days to see how your challenge went because that's that's a big challenge. There's a lot of stuff in there to do. I hope it doesn't overwhelm you and you don't get burnt out on it. Um, but realize this: it's only seventy five days, Carl. That's only two and a half months. It's not that long. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can definitely do it. Stay on track for sure. And I'm and I'm not even going to think of it as 75 days. I'm going to think of it as I got to wake up. I got to work out twice today. I got to eat good today. I got to read a book today, part of a book today. I got to take a picture today. I got to drink some water today. One day at a time. If I think of a big picture, if I, gotta, if I think of a big picture, which I always do, kind of like when I was 700 pounds. I got to lose 450 pounds. That's a, that's a that's, feat that no one wants to tackle ever. Right. Right. But losing a pound a day, but I'm, ha I'm over, ha I'm, I'm halfway there. Right. Because I've taken it in small steps. Right. So good. Well, know. yeah, let's follow up in 75 days and, you, you know, keep doing well in the challenge and post us, uh, keep us posted on Facebook so we can, uh, kind of follow you and, and we'll um, I'm not, have an update I'm on not this podcast. Post anything I'm, uh, I'm not going to post anything about this until it's over. I'm going to okay. keep it kind of personal. So until okay. until I'm done with it. Awesome, awesome. So, but I'm making I'm making pictures. I'm taking pictures, taking videos of it. I'm going to do a you know edit it and do a do like a video journal. Oh, when cool. It's done. So yeah, can't wait to see that. So I'll do it that way. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on. Um, keep your you 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 still are progressing, Carl. I really appreciate it. I know it's got to be really really tough. It's a it's a continuous struggle. I think for many of us, um, our weight loss is, and uh, you know, it's just something we just have to stay on track. And it's a it's a lifelong journey. So I appreciate you being on and sharing your story. It's very personal. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll follow up to you in seventy five right, days, Carl. Thank you for again. being on. Yep. All right. Thursday, uh, All we right. have. Uh, Sam Tran on. He's going to be talking about. He used to work. He's been on our podcast before. He is. He used to work for Big Pharma, and he is going to uh, discuss uh, Big Pharma and what's going on with COVID and Dr. Fauci. So you don't want to miss out on that episode. It is actually seven thirty on Thursday. You don't want to miss out. I, yeah, seven thirty. Um, I think right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know as. Check our Facebook. It's either 7 or 7.30. I, I, I haven't decided yet. I don't think we've connected yet and made that uh, finalization on that. So, But check it out Thursday. You can always watch later. Um, also, you don't have to watch live. Uh, and then Monday, I believe we have Dr. Pran on. We're going to be talking about lifting heavy things, endurance athletes, uh, homo sapiens versus Neanderthals. 
And there might be some controversy come up about endurance versus strength strength athletes. And as you know, I'm an endurance athlete now, but I would also say I'm a strength athlete and I used to be a power lifter. So I've seen both sides of it and I want to uh, challenge him. Uh, he's a very smart guy, gastroenterologist all the way over in Australia. He's been on our podcast before and he talks about eating and exercise and all that good stuff. So you don't want to miss it on that. Monday, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham at 1230 to 130. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.